only cure for our basketball Jones. Hail Varsity's Jacob Padilla on the Connor Happer Show on 1620 The Zone. Baby. Right, we're joined on the 42 Degrees The Source Hotline by Herdad Sports. This is Jacob Padilla. Jacob, good morning. How are you? Hi, Connor. I'm doing all right. Do you have any other hot NBA takes you need to fire off before we really get into this? I'm sorry. Was it too hot? I don't like when they score 70 points. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's certainly interesting. I Kind of my take is it, it depends on kind of how it goes and how you get to that point and yeah. what's happened in the game. Like like an all-star game. Like That's not really fun to watch when there's no resistance um, or when there's 20 free throws to get to the 70 or whatever. Um, or to get to the 50 or whatever. But, uh, like, Kevin Durant put up 40 the other day without a free throw. Uh, like, that's yeah. kind of crazy to watch. Like, so, like, some of this can really be fun in the moment. I admit, I, I didn't, I'm trying to, I don't think I was home watching any of these, um, uh, the, the 50, 70, whatever. Like, I missed uh, a lot of kind of the Booker games here live and, uh, didn't see the Embiid or the Cat game. So, um, just kind of interesting looking back, but I mean, it can be fun in the moment, depending on how the game is going. Um, and like, is this dude just on some ridiculous heater that there's nothing that the other team could do about, or is it just uh, a bad day for, for the defense? And he's getting a lot of, a lot of wide open looks and a lot of breakdowns and that type of stuff. So, I mean, I think it's a case by case basis, um, but yes. it, it is the, yeah, the offensive numbers recently, just kind of how often it's been happening is, certainly uh noteworthy um hey can you do me a favor next time in your pickup run could you just uh, grab a grab a piece of paper and however many points you drop just take a picture of yourself and write it on there with a sharpie that'd be really funny <laughs> See, like, yeah. if it, it was like eight points and you just put eight on a piece of paper and take yeah. a take a picture by the locker room yeah see the problem i thought it was it was kind of uh it was fun when booker did it back uh when he went for 70 because at that, I mean, it had been so long since somebody had done that, and the Suns didn't really have a lot to be happy about or to celebrate at that point. So it's like, why not go go for it? Have have some fun. Um, when you have to, when somebody does it twice in a, within a week, yeah, <laughs> then the, the bit kind of is a little played out. So that that's the problem. Not necessarily the bit itself, but the fact that it, it happened too close together for the bit to still work. I think. Hey, how do you officiate Zach Eady? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no idea. Um, I I agree with you. Like, what you said, kind of, like, it's frustrating when they don't call the foul until like the shots going up and you get an and one out of it. When like, dude, I was, I was doing the same thing the entire time. Like, right. Call it, call it on the foul on the ground if it's gonna be a foul. There's so much contact before he gets it, but, and then he gets it, well, and then and then you go off of that. Yeah, and see that's. So my the thing I love about basketball is the movement and the like the, the ball flying around and the cuts and all that. I hate the kind of offense initiating contact part of basketball. Like that's my biggest. That's the thing I like watching least. Like the, the foul hunting and just in general, like when the offensive player creates the contact and the defense player gets the 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 foul. Like that's I, I hate watching that and that's kind of part of the, the rule book and kind of the way it's officiated that I think does need to be 
tweaked. Uh, I mean, Ryan Rossillo like put out a, like started the debate again, like uh, putting on a clip the other day uh, about a foul call on Steph Curry and um, launched a big old conversation about what I was just talking about, like the offensive player initiating contact and getting a foul yep. as opposed to trying to score the ball. Like that's the purpose should always be trying to get the ball in the basket. Like I, I hate the, when it's, Oh, I'm just trying to create the contact to draw the foul. Like that, that's bad basketball. That's, that's bad uh, for the fans at home watching. Um, it's not, ne- not necessarily the same thing w- with eating the post, but he is so big and that's, his strength is um, obviously he's got good footwork and good touch, but he's also seven foot four and just a massive human being. And um, he's going to try to use that strength to, to score in the post. And um, sometimes like you, uh, there, there's, you got, you kind of have to allow some wiggle room to like give as good as you get um, to like, you have to be able to, to hold your ground um, to a certain degree because like that's all defense is is holding your ground yep. uh, and establishing your position but at the same time like yeah like some of the stuff that was, that's been happening with Calkburn recently like he is getting uh just like shoved uh, on some of these posts and like I there was one where um it's kind of what you were talking about the, the other day where um he, he caught the ball in the post dude forearm checked him on the catch then he put the ball in the deck, and the dude, like, chest-bumped him. Uh, and Kalkbrenner kind of took both hits and dribbled again and went up and took a shot. And then they called the foul on the shot. It's like um, like I there was so much more contact than what they actually called. So it's just kind of fascinating at times when they decide, all right, what what's worth calling and what's not. Um, but it's, it's, it's a really hard game to officiate. Like, it's yep. – Basketball is a partial contact sport. Like it's not like football or whatever. Obviously, um, where contact is the, the whole deal, but there has to be allowed. You have to allow for some kind of, of contact, or it's just impossible to play the game, play, play defense. So um, I, I don't know what the answer is, uh, and that's why officiating is so difficult um, because it's it, it, different angles. Things may look different ways, and you don't want to call a foul every single time and uh, all the, the various factors at play. But yeah, when you've got someone like Edie, it, it just kind of, you, you got to try to do your best and uh, just let it play out. I guess. All right, Jacob, uh, let's move on to Creighton here. What, and you wrote about this a little bit. Um, what's been different about Trey Alexander lately for Creighton? I, the, the stat that you you know, had on the uh, on the on the mid range jumpers on the two point jumpers, which is I don't know if I'd call them mid range. They're just basically short jumpers that he that he takes. He's over fifty percent on two point jumpers the entire season off the dribble, um, which is which is really really good. Honestly, I I just anecdotally I felt like that number was higher in my head, um, but I r- lately it really seems to have steadied out for him. What what do you think's behind that? Yeah, well, he's at. 58% in conference play. <laughs> 29 of 50 on off the dribble twos uh, <laughs> through 10 games in the Big East, which is just absurd. Like if you're in the mid 40s, you're typically like one of the, the best. Like that's it's not a, it's I mean that's why um, 
it's not a particularly efficient shot. Like that's no. kind of why so much uh, offense has been steered away from that, unless uh, you're the elite of the elite. And um, <laughs> talking with a Creighton coach at practice the other day, just like the the amount of work that Trey has had to put into that to earn the trust, uh, the, the the green light from uh, Greg McDermott to, to take those shots at the volume that he does um, is kind of a testament to him, but also like. You like that's that's the exact shot. It's funny because the one of Creighton's and Trey's biggest strengths is the exact shot that they're trying to force from other teams. I know. Like their entire defense. Yeah, it's it's really funny that way. Yeah, built to to funnel teams into taking that shot, and uh, yet on the other end, like they're taking as much or uh, more of those shots than, than they're forcing because Trey's so good at it. And um, I, I will say, kind of. Part of the, yeah, the shots going in uh, at a little bit higher rate. He was like forty four percent in non conference, I think. Um, so, like I said, that was kind of that. Oh yeah, that's that's good range. Went from good to one of the best in the country, uh, turning to Big East play, and that's been a huge part of him leading them in scoring uh, because that is honestly he's he's shooting a higher percentage on those pull ups than he is on layups. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, Which, so I have a theory. I have a theory. I think it, for just thinking about the season and what it's been like for him. I think he got some really good results earlier in the season on, on finishing on, on getting to the rim. We can remember a couple, you know, big dunks from him. And I still think he has that in his bag. And, and I think he was probably trying to do that a little bit too much in the, in the portion, probably, you know, late December into early January or just December over the holidays, I guess. And then I think he got somewhere along the way, he kind of just got back to his like, oh yeah, I can make this sixty percent of the time and just do that. I, like I, I think at the beginning of the year, one of the things he probably had to, you know, was told to work on is like, hey, if we can get you to finish at the rim, then that's going to be a big, a big part of your game. But it's, it, it's not that it didn't work, but this is obviously for him for whatever reason, it's a super high efficiency shot. Yeah, and. Uh... You're right, like that finishing at the rim was kind of a weak spot for him last year. Um, and with Nemhard moving on, who honestly, he was not as good of a finisher as people remember. He just got there a lot. Um, yep. Kind of one of the questions is, all right, who's going to create rim pressure on this team off, off the bounce? And um, Trey kind of felt like that was an area where he could uh, take a step in his game. And um, there's just the uh, kind of the athleticism ceiling that he bumps up against, I think just really, um, really impacts that. I think the, those dunks early on definitely showed some of the work that he had put in over the off season, but there's only so much development you can do. And um, he's kind of settled in now and the kind of the, uh, the mesh between Stephen Ashworth, Trey Alexander, who's initiating um, where the shots are coming from. I think they've kind of figured that out a little bit better with, with Ashworth kind of, improving, um, get, getting more aggressive, more assertive. And I think Tra- Trey's done a good job too. Like going and watching him uh, him run off ball screens the last few games compared to a lot of the ones earlier on where he's just much better at using the ball screens, at um, getting to his spots on the court. Uh, a lot of time is he's going wide on ball screens, letting defenders get through. He's avoiding contact, trying to get around guys, and it just – wasn't working out and ended up having to settle for bad shots or, or just passing out and restarting the action with 10 on the shot clock. And 
So I think he's done a better job of getting to his spots. And um, I think there's probably probably been a little bit less on his plate um, with what Ashworth has done. Agreed. Where he can be um, kind of more dangerous when he does touch it, as opposed to having to um, handle it as much as he was before. That's taken so much off everyone's plate. I mean, you know, it just it just seems like Trey and Baylor have the ball in their hands. Let I, I feel like they've been able to find the the good balance that they want. Especially, you know, they go through these periods of time where they're really, really trying to get it to Kalkbrenner. They're really trying to force it to him. And so, you know, it's pretty much spread. I don't know if you have any numbers on that, Jacob, but like it's it, it seems like to me it's spread pretty evenly between those four guys just as far as who has the ball and 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 who's doing stuff for them, who's making plays for them on a given possession. Well, I mean, you kind of look at the season now. Uh, Sharman's at 18 points a game. Alexander's at 17. Kalkbrenner's at 16.6. Um, so those three have really kind of bounced out in, in conference play. It's up to Trey, 18.5, and, and then uh, Sharman and Kalkbrenner, 17 apiece. Mm. Ashworth is up to 10 in conference play. Um, and so, like the the uh, the kind of uh, the, the touches are have gone up, and those three have kind of really done a great job of spreading around. They're keeping everybody, and that's kind of what I've noticed the last few games. Like since the UConn game, um, they just really made a concerted effort to uh, put out a, a balanced offense and to yeah. keep keep Kalkbrenner involved, um, get Trey going to a spot, Baylor knocking down shots, Ashworth kind of running the show. Um, they've just got more parts of the offense clicking at the same time a little bit. Uh, and even you start to see that the threes go down in the second half, uh, some of these games. So, um, I, I think it's starting to look a little bit more like what we thought the offense could look like and what, what the kind of goal was heading into the season. Um, so, um, I, I think that's Mac, Mac talks about kind of, it felt like they're progressing, like when he, went back and looked at, at the team. And uh, I think that's part of what he w- was talking about there. Just kind of everybody settling in and starting to figure out, all right, this is how we can be successful offensively. No doubt. Uh, Jacob, we did have heard that sports with us. Uh, Jacob, before we let you go, thoughts on uh, Nebraska tonight, hosting Wisconsin. Uh, well, good, good thing it's at PBA. Uh-huh. Um, that's uh, certainly um, the, we are, we are, we already saw what happened up in Madison and what has happened in every other Big Ten road game. It's it's just a big opportunity. Um, we we already saw them take advantage of that against Purdue. Going to need a similar effort tonight. Obviously, Wisconsin's up to six in the eight people. Uh, they they've been one of the biggest surprise teams, I think. And the fact that they're getting it done with their offense is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of the best offensive teams in the country somehow. Um, and uh, AJ Store has been a big impact transfer for them uh, from St. John's, um, but uh, they've—it's—it's um, it's going to be tough. Nebraska's going to have to find a way to kind of replicate some of that—that that Purdue magic. Obviously, you're not guarding. I totally the same agree. Way, but yeah, I, if they can get this, like this is the one that you can probably afford to, to lose at home. But if you lose. When at home, you're going to have to make that up on the road. And um, they haven't shown the ability to do that just yet. So it, it really is a, a big game for them continuing to strengthen that resume because if uh, if they get this one, 
and to say you went out at home and um, maybe you get one on the road, that that's still looking like a pretty strong resume because you're going to have two top ten wins at the top of there plus 20 wins. Um, I think that, that gets you into the tournament somewhat comfortably. So if they can get this one, then you're starting to feel really good about where the season's going, kind of no matter what happens on the road. Uh, if they drop this one, then they still have some work to do uh, and probably have to figure out how to, how to do some of that work on the road. All right, Jacob, uh, we'll let you go. Thanks for taking the time, as always, my friend, and we will uh, see you tomorrow night. All right, sounds good. Jacob Adil of Heard at Sports, covering everything, everywhere, all the basketball. If there's basketball, Jacob's there, and he's got takes. He was doing a lot of high school. He's got thoughts. He's got stats. Last week. He's got the whole thing. Jacob showed me his his notebook of like what he plans out before the before the week. Okay. Of like what he's gonna do. Where he's gonna be, what he's gonna We're in there, by the way. Oh. We're in there. You know, we made the notebook. Yep, we made the notebook. Wow. That's but he's there's there's like six different basketball games every every day. Just Hmm. right down the list. Impressive. I'm 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 glad that we're big enough where he remembers us, first of all. And he puts us in the notebook. Imagine loving something that much. Just good. Uh coming up next, I have a question about Fred Hoiberg. Um also you could tune in potentially to hear me make grunting noises at a quote that Fred Hoiberg had yesterday. <clears throat> okay. Grunt the quote. Uh, yeah, I'll just grunt the whole thing. Next on 1620 The Zone. But first, happy Super Bowl. To all who celebrate, I assume you do, from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. I'll be watching the Super Bowl on my couch and looking at my FanDuel Sportsbook app, looking at all the bets I have in. The various ways you could bet on the Super Bowl, whether it's the point spread, the money line, or anytime touchdown scores, the color of the Gatorade, the coin flip, the national anthem, whatever you'd like in or anything in between, they have it for you on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So now's the time to get in on the action right in time for Super Bowl 58. New customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. That's right, $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins. Just head to FanDuel.com slash Happer and sign up right now. Do it now. FanDuel.com. Slash Happer. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over, present in Iowa, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is now withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.